0: I don't have like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan because I don't care like I don't you know I feel like that kind of mindset is so toxic sometimes because you kind of lose yourself in this idea that you're projecting of what your future should look like but sometimes things come up and opportunities come up and go away and I think it's more efficient to live like that you know taking it all in as you go, as you go.
1: Hi guys on today's episode of Playground I have with me Divya Prasad who's a high school friend of mine and is studying at UCLA. Divya how are you doing?
0: I'm great thanks for having me. Can't believe I get to live out my daytime talk show dreams at the ripe age of 21. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how's, how's life in quarantine for you?
0: Uh, You know it's it's honestly it's it's fine. Um, I'm taking classes so a lot of my time is taken up with that so it's not like I've just kind of been sitting around doing nothing. When I get the chance, I try to sit around and do nothing, but I have a lot of schoolwork, so.
1: What classes are you taking?
0: Uh, So right now I'm taking, uh, for during the summer, I'm taking biochem and physics. First, like summer session A, and then summer session C, I have to take the third uh, physics class.
1: Where is home for you and where did you grow up?
0: Oh, so I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, um, like a little suburb called Cordova. It was like a kind of a small, sleepy-ish town. Uh, I spent like, like 13, 14 years of my life there. So I definitely consider that home, like told Tennessee Southern girl through and through. And then, you know, 14, I moved to Dallas and I considered this just home just as much as I do Memphis. You know, it's, I started high school here. So all my high school friends from that period of my life are here. And you know, the rest is history. As you know, <laughs> we go, you go way back. <laughs>
1: Uh, Do you consider UCLA home? Like, were you studying in college in California?
0: Yeah, definitely. I've spent enough time there to, you know, consider it home. And I think that, I don't know, I think I find a way to make home wherever I am. And my life has kind of taken me in directions that I never expected. Like, I never thought, like, I when I was younger, I honestly thought I would stay in Memphis and graduate from high school in Memphis. And obviously, that didn't happen. I ended up here, and then I ended up in L.A., so I kind of like that. My life has a way of surprising me. I end up places that I never expected I'd be. So yeah.
1: How how was it? Was it difficult for you to move from Tennessee to Dallas?
0: So it really it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. You know, I expected to, you know, be like crying under the covers, thinking about, oh man, I miss I miss Memphis, and miss my friends. But obviously there was there was some of that. But the tra- the, the transition was more difficult. I think going into high school. Which has always been the case for me, like starting a new school year, like I've always found it a little rough um to kind of get adjusted in that space, but tag I think at tag it was just it was so easy to feel at home that it didn't really take that long because the class size was so small, like we all got to know each other really really well, and I think by the time I got into the groove, it was just like you know I'd gotten used to it and the adjustment went really really well um and it was a yeah, it was a really smooth transition for sure, especially after I made my um my group of friends and, you know, got into the group of the year. So, yeah.
1: I agree with you. For me, uh moving from like the suburbs of Dallas to downtown, it was kind of, it was a difficult transition at first, but once I found like a group of people at TAG, it was easy. and it was like looking forward to classes, looking forward to high school.
0: Right. Yeah, it was, yeah, that, I think that was what was special about TAG. Like it didn't matter what part of the city you came from. Like once you were there, you know, everyone was in the same place. And so it just made it easy to find a family there
1: what did or do your parents do for a living?
0: Um, so my mom has been a stay-at-home mom since she came here, um, to the U.S. Um, but she has a master's degree in social work, and so she started, uh, recently working at CASA, which is, um, I forgot the ex- exact meaning of the acronym. It's, I think, child, child advocacy, something special, court, something. Anyway, um, that's what my mom does right now, and my dad, um, is a doctor so he works at a hospital just outside of dallas so he's gone for like usually a week at a time while he's working there and then he'll be home for a week
1: um what were you curious about as a child
0: oh man as a kid i loved outer space (laughs) like that was such a big obsession for me you know i just loved i don't know what it was like i just i think i think all kids liked outer space you know like just like learning about the planets and stuff that was always such a cool unit in school but for me I just I don't know I just that was something that got attention and never really let go you know I wanted to be an astronaut as a kid like that was my dream job and just like I don't know just that kind of area of science I think has persisted to this day like even even today it's one of my favorite things to learn about and you know hearing about what's going on at NASA and even like topics adjacent to that like quantum physics or like Just things like that are just so, they're just so interesting to me. And I love thinking about that. So that's definitely something that's held on till this day and never really let go.
1: What about outer space like makes you so interested in it? Like, could you put into words like the exact, like specific details about outer space or anything like that, like attracts you to it?
0: It's just, I think it's the immense vastness of outer space. I mean, I think it's hard to imagine because we're in such a small bubble on earth. But just how big it really is—I mean, it's it's physically impossible for our brains to comprehend that kind of size. And for me, it was like it was that kind of mystery and just the grandeur of it all. I just it was something that blew my mind. So you know, it's why like movies like Interstellar and Arrival, like those those are some of my favorite movies. And it, because because it helps puts it all it puts it all into perspective for you. It kind of Zeroes in on human stories, but it tells it in the context of you know these bigger systems. It's just yeah, it's just the wonder that it inspires. It's addictive almost.
1: The wonder that is addictive. Do you think that there like other species in the universe right now, other than human beings, like in a different planet or like a multiverse or something like that? Like, what's your wildest dream about space?
0: I just think you know. That That's the big question, right? Like are we the only life in the universe. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I, I when I went, when I was in my freshman year of college, I took this class called um, evolution of the cosmos and life. And a big part of it was thinking about these bigger questions, like what could be out there? And I, I don't know if it was in that class that I read this expression, but it was basically like, imagine if there is another form of life out in the universe, but they would have no interest in communicating with us because we would be to them what ants are to us. Like the small day-to-day, you know, activities of ants on the ground. We don't really care, right? Like we, we don't follow the ants and we don't say, oh, what are they doing now? Like, I wonder what's up. I want to communicate with the ants. Like that's not something that we're particularly interested in because the I think the level of consciousness that they're on the level of consciousness that we're on are di- completely different levels. They don't match up. So what if there are aliens out there and they know that we exist, but they have no interest in, they're like, why would I care what they're doing? Like, we're on this other plane of existence. So that's something that I think about a lot. Like, we think that we're smart and that we know how to quantify the universe around us. But I mean, who 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 could even tell if the math that we have is sufficient to, you know, like the numbers that we use, they're very physical and they have rules. How do we know that the systems and the tools that we have are even enough to for us to get, you know, as clear of an understanding of the universe around us as we can? Yeah, I, I forgot what your original question was. But yeah, that's like, that's kind of where my train of thought led me.
1: So that's on the assumption that the other species that are not living with us have a higher consciousness than we do what if there's like a possibility that they so if there's a possibility that the other aliens have a lower conscious they wouldn't even know we existed just like we don't even know they existed so right the possibility too
0: correct right yeah it goes the other way too like even if we did find some you know primitive form of life out there i mean we couldn't really what would we do like we could study them as much as we can you know being here however many millions of light years away but i mean you know it's it's there's no way to like if you wanted to communicate with ants that that's not possible like you can't really do that mm-hmm. we don't have the language to do that so yeah it works it works both ways
1: okay I want to poke at this more because I'm also I'm, I'm very curious about outer space and like what you know about that so what's like the widest conspiracy theory or conspiracy theory that you came across that you like want to believe in about space or like about like life other than earth
0: Oh, um I think the the parallel universe idea because there are so because you know, we're the way that things have happened in our timeline or whatever, it's a very specific path. But what if, you know, it's that idea, it's like the whole time travel thing. Like if one small thing changed, how does that ripple out and affect everything else? So I, I have this kind of weird theory. Do you know what the Mandela effect is? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like um everyone thinks that I don't know how to explain it's like everyone thinks so okay you know the Bernstein Bears, like the um the the books or whatever everyone thinks that they're spelled Bernstein as in seen as s-t-e-i-n but in reality it's s-t-a-i-n and everyone's like how is this possible like I swear like I remember you know as a kid reading it and it was spelled s-t-e-i-n but it was actually in reality it's s-t-a-i-n so my theory is that the that the Mandela effect is the result of parallel universes that have accidentally converged right so we we remember it as Bernstein S-T-E-I-N but another parallel universe like came in or whatever and now it's S-T-A-I-N and everyone's like completely mind blown because it doesn't at all match up with what they remember or what their idea of reality is I don't remember when I thought of this it was probably like 3 or 4 a.m and I wrote it down and I still kind of think about it from time to time. Like, what if that's possible? I don't know. It's just fun to think about.
1: It's just fun to think about. So, but I have, I have like a counterpoint there. Like, why would something so small change? Like, the the lettering of some like obscure child children's book change. Why not something like big? Or like, do you, do you have like a theory to explain that?
0: I mean, our ideas of small and big are all relative, right? Okay. You know? <laughs> you're like scratching your chin you're like ah yes she has a point (laughs) yeah I don't know it's maybe that maybe those small things I don't know if there were if there were bigger things that were changed it's possible that we like our memories were altered or something I don't know I'm completely spitballing here but like the smaller things weren't major enough for us to you know for us to have our memories changed or whatever. But if it was like a bigger event, maybe that's possible.
1: I like, I, like, I love the science fiction stuff. <laughs> I know, me too. Uh, so like, what would, what would you think is like your biggest influence in the pop culture, science fiction movies, science fiction TV shows that have helped you like foster this curiosity about of space. So like foster this curiosity about these different effects.
0: Oh, man. I mean, I like I mentioned earlier, definitely Interstellar. I loved Interstellar so much. You know, it was a Christopher Nolan movie, so obviously the cinematography and everything was, like, beautifully done, but just, I remember, you know, I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but, like, at the climax, like, when you understand what's happening and why certain things played out the way they did, it wasn't mind-blowing. Like, I still remember it was just incredible, and you know, it was like that kind of storytelling that I think helps you put put it on perspective. And even even Arrival, I really really liked. It was more, you know, we it's was, it's was kind of a slow build up to to you know the climax and what's going on. But it's like it's like peeling back layers of the story, and you understand you know past events of what happened. And I don't want to spoil that either. It's kind of hard to talk about it without talking about what happens. But yeah, just movies like that, I think yeah, they just blow my mind.
1: I love those. In both of those movies, something you, like, touched upon was storytelling, and, like, the aspects of story in it. For you, what, what kind of stories do you like, and what kind of stories, like, attract you to that kind of story? Like, do you understand the question I'm asking?
0: Yeah, like, what kind of stories, uh, like, what kind of stories do I like, basically? What
1: elements, like, do you like in a story, and, like, how, how mm-hmm. has you portrayed it been in your life, like, have you seen, like, have you, do you look, do you go back and look in your life, like, your flashbacks of your life, like, as a story?
0: Yeah, I do, actually, there was, (laughs) there was actually a period of my childhood where I would, like, in my head, I would narrate everything that was happening, like, it was in a book, I don't know why, (laughs) it was, like, a really weird time, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, as a kid, especially, I was a voracious reader, I mean, I read so much, and I think that really helped, you know, because I, I enjoy writing as a, you know, it's it's almost like a form of meditation for me. Like, I, I think writing helps clear your mind and that reading at that rate and, you know, ingesting stories at that rate, it helped me build a vocabulary. It helped me, you know, it gave me a framework to look at the world through. Um and yeah, that was, I think that was a huge influence on the things that I like today. Um, just that kind of, yeah, that kind of, just that hobby that I had, which was just to read and read stories. Because, you know, fantasy stories were like the best as a kid. Like everyone like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. And those were, and it was because they had a way of completely immersing you into that world. And you felt like you were in that world while you were reading the book. And those, I think those are the best kinds of stories they kind of make you forget where you are for a minute, and you feel like you're part of that world. You feel like you're a wizard at Hogwarts. You feel like you're a demigod. And, you know, that's, those are still the kinds of stories that I'm, you know, drawn to today.
1: There's something very similar uh, from with what you said, like, with reading fantasy stories, and, like, thinking about outer space, because, like, you feel like you, you, it's not, your life is not, it's not centered around you. Like, when you think about space, like, there's so many other things happening, and like you had an existential crisis, but like when you're like reading fantasy books, like you're not the main story anymore, like you're not a main character, like you are like immersed in this different role, but like different possibilities would happen, imagination, creativity, all that stuff. And that still holds true with space because like you could think about like, what if there's another planet with this and blah, 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 blah. So like this, like that innate like creativity and I think that imagination is there when like with reading and with writing and like with thinking about outer space, do you see like a connection between all those three things?
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like a it's almost like a blank slate. And you know, outer space isn't a blank slate. It's just that we haven't discovered everything yet. But just you know, having that space to imagine, and um, I think that's important. Like being being able to project, you know, things that you'd like to see happen, or just anything that interests you. Like anything that makes you question, you know, that anything that makes you question your life as it is at this moment. I think that's really important for people to have because if you're constantly, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's just important to dream big. I think it helps you this, that, that, you know, that space helps you dream big. So.
1: Steering the conversation here. So what are you studying at UCLA and like, what do you want to do when you grow up and why?
0: So right now, um, so I'm studying psychology. I was, uh, I was undeclared for like a solid year and a half and then in the middle of my second year, I was like, I should probably figure out what I'm going to major in, or else I'm not going to graduate on time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I picked psychology mainly because I'd taken such a random assortment of classes that I magically fulfilled most of the prereqs I needed to have psychology as a major, and it worked out well because I think psychology is really interesting. You know, learning about how our brains work, how people think. Um, so that worked out really well, and you know, the goal right now is med school. So. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a gap year after I graduate, um, this upcoming June. Um, and then I'll take that year to apply to med schools and hopefully get in somewhere and start by fall of 2022. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't cling to ideas of what I think my life should be because my life has led me places that I'd never really imagined up until right before it happened. So I think I'm just I'm I try to be flexible that way because I know things things rarely work out the way that you expect them to. So I think it's important to have that that flexibility and be able to adjust.
1: Like going with a flow attitude, just like going Right.
0: Up. Like you should still have an idea of what you want to do and where you want to go. Otherwise you'll be completely aimless. But having but it's it, again, you know, not being completely rigid in your ideas of what you think you should be like I don't have like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan because I don't care like I don't you know I feel like that kind of mindset is so toxic sometimes because you kind of lose yourself in this idea that you're projecting of what your future should look like but sometimes things come up and opportunities come up and go away and I think it's more efficient to live like that you know taking it all in as you go go.
1: Uh, So with, with with that in mind, like with that 5-year plan, a 10-year plan, not having that. So back to when you were a child and when you wanted to become an astronaut and like how like how did that process like change and cultivate to what you're doing now? Like, could you describe the journey of like how the different interests you had and like where it has led up to you right now?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, that, that love of outer space like I said, it, it never went away. So, you know, when I joined my freshman year at UCLA, we had an option to do something called a cluster, which is a year long class. So it's not just, you know, one quarter, it's all three quarters of, of your first year. Um, so I joined one called Evolution of the Cosmos and Life. And it was honestly one of my, probably my favorite classes ever taken, because the professors were just so passionate about the material. And it was everything that I was interested in. It was, talking about you know how life started on the planet how it evolved and how the un how you know the universe came into existence and speculating about you know all of that and it was just it definitely helped that I was interested in the material but it helped that there were people teaching it to me that were also just as excited about this stuff like these were all professors in you know whatever their 40s 50s 60s but they were still like little kids. Like it goes back to the whole, you know, childhood. You know, this is, that's what this podcast is about, right? Like it's that inner child. And you could tell that they were still kids when it came to this stuff. They were professors, you know, tenured and they had these big research labs and they've had their work published and they were still, it didn't, didn't matter. Like none of that stuff went to their heads. They were still just as interested as they were when they were kids. Um, so yeah, I try to, I try to, I think that that kind of mindset is important because it's much more, it's just more rejuvenating I say I don't know if that's the right word but it's 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 like immortal almost it doesn't you know ne- you never get tired when you think of it like that. Mm-hmm. that was I think that was worded really poorly but I think you get what I'm trying to say yeah
1: <clears throat> so how have you been like keeping that interest in outer space and in science balancing that with school with pre-med with med school that kind of stuff
0: I mean, most of it, it just comes back to looking at the big, the bigger picture, mm-hmm. you know, being pre-med is it's not exactly a walk in the park. And I think when things don't go the way that you want, when you don't do as well in a class as you would like, or whatever kind of roadblock you r- roadblock you encounter. I don't know. It just, it helps to keep, like, look at things in the bigger picture. Like you're healthy. You have, you know, a family that supports you. You have friends that support you even if you stumble a little bit along the way it's not like you're fallen down forever like you, you can get back up and keep going um yeah just the bigger picture like you you know how how enormous is the universe and how little are our problems it's mm-hmm. just it's as simple as that so yeah I think as you're as long as you're you if, if you're if you have your health and you have your you have your mind and your health. I think that's those are the two most important things and you can do anything once you have those.
1: I agree with that. Like keeping your perspective and like understanding your place. Like in right life is not the most important thing and although like we're living our lives and like if we say I'm the main character in my life, it's really not like that. And there's so much more that needs to be explored and advent- to have adventures with. Mm-hmm. So if you could travel back in time and visit little Divya what advice would little Divya give you right now?
0: Probably just to take it a step at a time because I have a tendency to look ahead and then get completely overwhelmed by everything that there is to do. And, you know, I had had that issue when I was a kid and I have that issue even today. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, you know, it's good to have a vision of what you're trying to achieve, but it's also, I think it's more important to, only look as far as you can take a step. And once you, you know, once you take one step, then you can take another step, and then you can take another step, and then before you know it, you'll be where you want it to be. So, with each of those steps, doing only the best, just doing your best with what you have at the time. You can't control everything in the future. It's to think that we have control over every single aspect of our life is ridiculous and i just think yeah I, think, I just think it's important to have that perspective you know just take it a step at a time in a yeah in short
1: take it a step at a time and i like i like what you said about like us realizing that we don't have control over everything because humans have, have a tendency to feel like they need to be in control of everything if is not in their control they Get anxious or they get like stressed a little bit. So like leaving it up to the universe, to whatever you believe in. Like okay, I'm I I can't control this, so I'm gonna go. Which (laughs) brings me up to my next question too. So if this this is very spiritual slash religious, and I wanted to ask you this because you have an interest in outer space, do you believe Mm -hmm. in a like when you when you were in that class, the evolution of the cosmos? are you, are you particularly religious with Hinduism, and, like, do you, and, or do you believe, like, there's, like, a bigger universe being who, like, what, what do you believe in, spirituality-wise, or, like, religion-wise?
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, I, I think about that quite a bit, you know, what do I believe in? Um, You know, what higher power do I think exists? I'm not, I'm not, like, overly religious, you know, I don't, observe every single holiday which would be impossible there's one like every day I think um um, but again I think big part of Hinduism is it's the storytelling it's just such a rich culture and you know even as a kid like I loved uh, I loved reading reading those stories because they were so I don't know. It just, they were set in like, they were set in a human world. Like, you know, they talked about gods and demons and whatever, but they were set in a human world with people that were like us. And I don't know, part of me, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have an answer fleshed out yet at all, but it's just, I kind of, again, I take it as I go, you know, I've really lost in my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, what did they teach in that class? Like, what, what, what was the origin of life? Was it like very scientifically based, or like, how did the origin of the cosmos begin?
0: So, I mean, you know, the, if there's one thing that I took away from that class, it's that we know how, we don't know why. So, we can say, okay, so from part A to part B, this happened. We can, you know, we can measure the, the time between those two events. What we don't know is why. That Again, the why is, you know, goes back to spirituality and religion, right? It's That's the why. The how is what we know. That's, that's where we're best. That's what we're best at. Um, but yeah, you think about, you know, how incredible it, it is that billions and billions and billions of years ago, there was nothing. And then now all of this exists. You know, what are the odds that I'm here talking to you like from that state. I'm here talking to you in this podcast, and we're getting really deep. It's like 1 p.m. on a Sunday, and we're going really deep. In I like it the, yeah. the universe, yeah.
1: Because I feel the same way with you know, me, I love dinosaurs, and like when I yes. was a kid, I I couldn't imagine that. Well, I was standing sixty, like five million years ago, like a huge dinosaur was like roaming the same land as I was. And that's very, very similar to your passion or like interest with space, because that like, you don't really know. Like, I, I couldn't like put my head around the fact that I was living on a on a planet where dinosaurs once lived. Like, it was that. It was very hard for me to grasp that grasp the idea, and I still can't. Right right now and that's why I, I like it so much because there's so much unknown with it like how did they die what happened to them like how did evolution create these huge beasts and the same thing with like cosmos and the universe and like black holes and all that stuff like, right
0: exactly know, knowing everything is boring like who wants to who wants to have the answers to everything mm-hmm. A part of it is the journey like getting there that's you know it's fueled by that you know that curiosity and that wonder but if you got all the answers like it would be so boring. We would have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's that's part of it. It's just having that almost like a blank slate to just, you know, let your, you know, wildest dreams go crazy.
1: And this is what I think, like, science, creativity, and storytelling intersect. Like, real, like you don't know what exactly happened and you're using like the scientific method because we both like we, we both like sciences like how to figure that stuff out like with the evidence but also we're able to add a little creativity to it like imagining how things work well, because we still don't know it yet and I, that's what I love about like I'm a newer science major and I love about that the brain idea too because like with psychology too like it's so much unknown how do we think why do we think the things we think how do these things like connect and that unknown like it's like, it makes me feel like I'm a little adventure, a little kid, like trying to explore something new. I think, yeah, like like, space, psychology, and all this stuff, too.
0: Yeah, and and you bring up, you know, you, you, you know, part of neuroscience is how do we think, you know, I remember very clearly as a kid, I would question the nature of my consciousness (laughs) so often, as a child, like I would, there were moments where I would pause in the middle of my day and just be like, how is it How is it that you know I'm having these? Like, where are these thoughts coming from? How is it that what what am I like? How am I able to think and to have control over my body and all this stuff? You know, even as a kid, I think kids people don't really give kids credit for because I remember as a kid, like thinking of all these very you know grown up questions, and I think people don't really give kids credit for. You know they are just as curious, yeah.
1: you know this is very philosoph- philosophical too. Like this is what philosophers think about mostly back in the day in Greece and everything. right. Yeah. i wanted to I want to explore more about this, so about like the creativity side of it. So imagine that you're an astronaut and you're like runchering into space and like you're like on the verge of finding a new planet. What kind of planet would you want to find, and like what kind of in- inhabitants would you want to be on a planet? Like, what would what make you the most excited to find out, like, in a different, like, planet?
0: Oh, man. I don't know. Like, like, what kind of planet would I be excited to find? Any, Honestly, any planet. If I was in space, that would, like, that's the bottom line, As if I'm in space, I'm happy. You know, I that is, that's, like, my ultimate dream is to be able to go into space. And hopefully, it doesn't cost, like, $600,000 for a ticket, but to be able to go into space and you know you, you've you seen pictures of you know the earth from the moon and how tiny it looks and how you can cover it up with your thumb if you just hold your hand out and I don't know just yeah again it would put it would physically put everything into perspective you know for all of this to be happening on that you know it's called what the blue marble right on that blue dot mm-hmm. um Yeah, if I was in space and I was discovering a planet, I don't care what kind of planet it is. It could be an asteroid, I'd be happy to find it. Okay.
1: (laughs) You you're you're happy if you're in space.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: What would you say would like going back to your childhood? What what's like your favorite childhood memory, your favorite childhood adventure or like anything that you miss about your childhood that you wish that you you could experience again right now?
0: I just miss, you know, more than a specific memory. I just miss um you know when you're a kid your world is you don't have to worry about being an adult you know Mm -hmm. you can you all all that matters is you go to school you do well in school and outside of that you have hobbies and that's your world and you don't have to worry about you know like getting a degree or yeah MCAT like what's on my resume like you know none of that stuff matters um and so yeah, I just miss that. I miss the kind of bubble that you have as a kid. It's your hobbies, it's school, it's your friends, and you don't have to worry about your resume or the MCAT or whatever it is that adults have to do, you know? You know, as a kid, I, was, I took, um, I think, two, two of the activities I did for the longest were I played piano and I, what, I did taekwondo. And, you know, those are two very different disciplines almost. You know, music and, you know, martial arts, they're very different but they require, fundamentally, they require the same things. They require discipline and they require commitment and, you know, just crafting. It's just, it's a craft, basically. You work at it and you get better and it shows through either playing music or, you know, doing a pattern or sparring or whatever it may be. So, yeah, just almost like, it's like a, it's like a microcosm of the real world. Just, yeah your your world is much it's much smaller but it's more intense almost in a way
1: you're like you're like in your own little world and for me I personally feel like I have more freedom as a child to think to imagine to just be creative and do whatever I want right now yeah absolutely I Constructed with time and I constructed with like these outer expectations of me really
0: yeah your job your job was to be a kid to go to school you know hopefully do well in school and then do well in whatever, you know, activities your parents signed you up for. And that was it. It wasn't, you know, none of this, you know, being responsible nonsense. You just did what you wanted.
1: You get to play. And, out. And like
0: Exactly.
1: I, I feel like we lost that sense of play.
0: Yeah. I used to, I used to, <laughs> I used to play like pilgrims with my friends, which it wasn't even pilgrims. Like we would go, we would go outside and like mash acorns into some kind of porridge and we would just pretend to be living off of the land in our cul-de-sac, like. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, yeah, just like that. Like you don't. If you saw twenty-year-olds doing that, you'd be like, "Are they okay? Like, what are they doing?" But yeah, it was. You know, we were kids. You you did what you wanted. You built your own world. Yeah.
1: I miss that. So we are reaching the end of the podcast, and I wanted to ask you uh, just one more question, really. So, what is your favorite childhood movie or book, and why?
0: you know, I had, I, I never had a favorite. I had a lot of favorites, but I will say movie wise. Okay. I'll say this because I rewatched it recently. Um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia. I loved that movie. We had the DVD and I watched it all the time. And, you know, part of it was because I had read the book and I loved the book and it's just, it's a lot of fun to see because you read a book and you construct that world in your head and the way that people sound and the way that you know a certain place in the book looks that's all from your imagination and then you get to see it play out on a big screen um that's like you know ultimate you know that's what that's what readers live for and then in terms of books I can give you the basic answer which is Harry Potter I think you know who didn't like Harry Potter that was that was it like that was the like shining star on top of all you know children's literature like i remember um going for the i think it was the book 7 release in barnes noble and i was i don't know how old i probably was like 7 or 8 but i went with like an older friend and it was just like this barnes noble was completely decked out in like harry potter you know decorations and i think when you inspire that kind of fanatical following you know you've done your job as an author and that's all you could hope for for any book is that people take it as their own and they run with it and you know once you release a story it's not yours it's really not really yours anymore because people people you know adopt it as their own and they fit it to their own life so yeah
1: so with with your answer and like all the, all the answers you you given me before like come up I think they like couple of themes that this conversation had like touched upon creativity, imagination, storytelling, and just like the sheer, like taking things into perspective and understanding where we are in this world. And I think like tying all those things together and like putting that into the perspective, of, like your child and like find rediscovering it in a child, I think that's beautiful. And like, that's a great way to like think about these kind of things too uh this this is the end of the podcast really so thank you (laughs) for being thank you
0: for having me yeah
1: thank you for like entertaining me with these talks and like answering my questions and like and just like having this conversation with me it was great
0: yeah of course it's good to catch up it's been too long
1: yeah it has so for our listeners if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more you could always follow us on spotify and rate and subscribe to us on apple podcasts and yeah we'll see you guys next time